When we got on the bus to go back to Mexico, my dad stayed behind. I used to spend a lot of time with my dad, so I cried a lot. Fifteen-year-old Nancy Medina Vasquez cries as she remembers the bus ride that separated her from her father the last time she saw him. The bus that brought her back from the U.S., where she was born with her parents, to the small town in Mexico, the small festive town in Mexico of Melanalco. A little town of celebrations, church bells, fireworks. Where farms cling to the hills, but people in poverty don't. They make the hard decisions to move north to America, decisions that will have permanent consequences. For Nancy, who is in California today, the pain comes from separation. All the promises that were made by her parents and promises never kept. The promise that she would see her father again. I love him very much, and my mom always said that he would be there, so that's why I cried. I feel sad because he is no longer with me. I only had six years with him. That's it. Six years of travel, sacrifice, and humiliation that has nearly destroyed the family of Ermelinda Medina Milan and her husband Anselmo. They came to the United States in April of 1997 as illegal immigrants. Anselmo Vasquez Landeros worked in the fields for a cotton grower. He drove tractors, plowed the fields, laid out irrigation tubing. They had a child, Nancy, born here, and so part of their dream was realized. But life was hard, and Selmo and Ermelinda decided to take Nancy back to Mexico to rejoin their two older daughters. And Selmo stayed on in California working to support the family, but six years later he was stopped for a traffic violation and found to have been drinking. After a year in jail, he was sent back to Mexico. Eventually, the family was reunited, but deeply wounded by the experience, and Selmo never recovered from the humiliation. He eventually lost his way emotionally and took his own life. It is Nancy's mother and Anselmo's widow, Ermelinda, who told us the story of her family one afternoon last week in Melanalco. She calmly laid out the sacrifices, hoping that the people of the United States would understand that they are not criminals. They're just people chasing a very familiar dream. Una vida mejor. A better life. We wanted to have a little house, just something to offer our children, to not live in extreme poverty. That's what gives us no choice but to cross the border illegally. In the United States, what were the difficulties that you experienced? Many. There were many things. Not to be able to live in the U.S. legally. Not sharing the same benefits as everyone else. Hiding from the immigration police. You're not happy in that country because you're illegal. At any moment, they could throw you out. Did your husband feel as though he had failed his family? when everything fell apart, when the deportation happened, when he was arrested? Yes, I think so. Here he was very sad because he arrived without money, didn't have work. For him it was really hard. He had four daughters in school. My eldest daughter was already in high school. 
and didn't finish for the same reason, because he didn't bring money. I didn't have a job. The neighbors supported me with food. When he came back here, I understand you preceded him. When he came back here, was he changed forever? Yes, depressed, humiliated, because he said, I have nothing to offer you all. Did you ever believe he would take his own life? No. 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 It came all of a sudden. He never told me he was going to do that. What does your daughter think of what's happened to your family? Difficult. For her, it was very difficult to find her father dead. When I brought my daughter, I brought her after five and a half years back to Mexico. When she said goodbye to her father, she was sobbing. We came in a bus and she was crying. They hadn't opened the windows and she said, My dad, my dad isn't coming. I was also crying because it hurt me how she was, how she came with these huge tears. My daughter was very attached to her father and her father was also crying. She was his princess. She was the smallest, the youngest. We took him to the airport in Mexicali and she came crying. There we met an uncle who had also been deported. And she didn't cry anymore. She hugged him. She hugged her uncle because he looked so much like her dad and because he had lived with us. She imagined that he was her dad. After that, she was happy. But she had come on that bus crying, crying. It was very sad. The separation of families is very sad. In this country, they aren't concerned with the separation of families. Ermelinda, this is a difficult question. There are Americans, citizens of the United States, who will hear your voice and say, you made a mistake. You shouldn't have come. You're illegal. It's all your fault. What would you tell them about what's happened? What would I tell them? They are blaming us for crossing illegally. They don't know. They don't know what happens to someone who doesn't have anything to eat. For them, it is easy to criticize, or for them to say that we crossed illegally, when in reality, we look for a better life for our families. We go to the United States to do honest work. That's why we cross illegally, and we risk our lives. Many immigrants don't make it. They get lost on the border. For us, it's really difficult. And even so, we take that risk. Ermelinda Medina Milan migrated to the United States illegally in April of 1997 along with her husband. She returned to Mexico to rejoin their two older daughters. He eventually took his own life. Their daughter Nancy lives apart from her mother in California, where she is a U.S. citizen.
The heartbreaking story of Irma Linda Medina Milan is not unusual. The cost to families from the migration north to a better life, costs in separation, deportations, and inability to come and go and visit relatives across the border, they all take their toll on Mexican society. Ellen Kalmus is the director of The Corner Project. It's a community organization based in Melanalco, Mexico, that helps the families of migrants to the United States in all the ways we don't think about, helping them find safety and advocacy in the U.S., dealing with everything from substance abuse to PTSD and severe depression in people who never find an economic place in the USA and who return home to humiliation with children scarred from all the separations and to poverty often even greater than before they left. Ellen is an American who's been part of this community for years. There is such an amount of needless suffering. I've had cases of people who felt so humiliated. You know, they, they went, they thought they were going to accomplish something. They thought they were going to, you know, it was going to be a while. They knew it wasn't going to be great. But they were going to come back with some little nest egg, maybe open a corner store, finish building their house. And when they come back in desperate straits, they can't feed their family. They're depressed. They can't connect. It can be bad. I, I, I've, I'm remembering one, one migrant who was deported, and, and his wife told me that he'd been an orphan, that he was very fragile. She tried so hard to get help to him. We put posters all along the border. Okay, we sent it to all these different migrants' shelters, hoping to see them and know that she, was, she wanted to send him some money to help him get home. And um, he just didn't eat for three days, hitchhiked, got here, and disappeared. So she came to me and said, he hasn't called. You know, I've heard he's here, but I, I don't know where he is. And I talked to a cousin of his that we'd helped. She told me where he was. He was like in this little hut out in the field. And I went out to find him, and he was, he was just unkempt. His hair was all standing. He was just uh, broken. And I called out to him, and he clearly so badly needed to talk. It just all came pouring out. And he, it had been very humiliating for him. After he told his story, he said he wanted to visit his wife. And he tried to hang in here for a while, but he couldn't. He, couldn't, he, he went north again because he just couldn't take what it felt like to be here as a broken man. And so there's a human-to-human dimension here that's lost in all of the rhetoric about immigration, immigration reform, uh, what goes on on the border. That's the problem. These stories are invisible. People are in detention. Nobody finds out about it. When they're deported, nobody hears what happens. It's this terrible dumping of the problem. For example, it's very clear that people, when they leave a place like Malinoco, they want to come back. They don't want to just leave and never come back. If people could go and come, a lot of suffering would be prevented. And when people in the U.S. understand that, and when they understand that people really do want to stay with their families, I think it really changes their perception. I think there's more empathy there. So the thought, referring back to Irma Linda's story, that citizen of the United States might say, if you're going to come north illegally and drink and drive without a license, you're going to get in trouble. It's your own fault. 
Why am I supposed to have any sympathy for you? Is that not clear thinking? I think it's um, missing important information. We don't know why that man was drinking, but what I've seen is that people go from a place like Malinoko. They know it's going to be tough. They say, well, I'll just deal with it. They thought they were going to go for just a couple of years and come back, typically. They find they can't. Um, the criminalization of the border means that it gets really expensive. So when people migrate, they take out loans. So if they come back, that means they're gonna, they may still be in debt, and they're forced to stay longer than they intended. They didn't go because they wanted to go. They went because their mother needed a heart operation, and there was no way they were going to be able to handle that here. They went because they didn't have food for their children, and they couldn't bear it. They couldn't keep their children in school. Very typical story I hear from people. I've heard this from children, is that they say goodbye to their father, typically, maybe their mother, and then they're told again and again, you know, the reason your mom isn't here is because she wants you to be able to go to school. She wants life to be better for you. The kids miss them terribly. They miss their kids. And it's harder emotionally than they think it's going to be. Sometimes they can't take it. Sometimes maybe they'd have a beer, maybe they'd have two. It's a mistake, but it's the kind of mistake people make when they put themselves into a much more difficult situation than they ever imagined it would be. Um, I mean, something that I think about that man that I didn't meet, but I mean, I've met his wife, I've met his daughters. They're a great family. I think, you know, what if he could have come home for a visit? You know, maybe, what if he could have come home and seen his daughter, um, be with him a little bit, maybe go back, finish paying off the loan, get a little nest egg. That's what people dream of. People w want to come back. It's not an unreasonable dream? Well, I mean, what human being doesn't dream of being able to feed their families and give their children a home? What's the legacy for the children of these families where things don't work out? Children who carry U.S. passports now, born in the United States, who have a completely different life than their parents. What's the legacy? It's complex. It's a lot of different stories, and they're very important stories. Something that I see again and again is that when a family runs into difficulty, whatever passport their children have, it's the children who suffer the most. Um, children are growing up spending a large portion of their growing up years separated from their parents. And they're being told that your parents are doing this for your sake. And they know that's true, and yet it's still, it's still really hard. Um, these children, are, they're having trouble staying in school. They're having trouble emotionally on both sides of the border. There are some lucky ones. But the overall picture is that the costs are too great of these family separations. And the ones bearing the load are the children. American activist Ellen Kalmus sees those family costs. She's the director of the Corner Project, a community organization 
that helps the families of migrants to the United States. It tries to cultivate a hope. And for Ermelinda's daughter, Nancy, that means from California, the dream of a family reunited. I hope that we will live together again, because here, right now, I need them a lot, because I have always lived with them. It's been a year since I've seen my mom, and I look for her all the time. Also my sister. I have faith that one day we will all be here together. I hope that one day I'll be with my mom again. How has changing home, leaving home, changed you forever? Thanks so much for listening. We'd love your stories at 8778 My Take. I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.